Hello, friend. Hello, friend. That's lame. Maybe I should give you a name. Maybe I should give you a name. What I'm about to tell you is top secret. The Coffee Clash Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coffee Clash Crew Mr. Robot episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And this week we try to defrag episode 408, Request Time Out. Janice wants all the details. Elliot is shook. IMDb is giving this a 9.4 and Rotten Tomatoes a 100%. The critics are saying it's rare for Mr. Robot to indulge in some old-fashioned, fist-pumping action. You know, the kind where the good guys get the edge on the bad guys. Even if it's for the briefest of moments, it can be a miserablest show at times, presenting a bleak vision of the world, even as it hopes for a better one. This is a badass moment that feels earned. So the origin of the title request timeout means that the server timed out waiting for the request to go through. According to specifications, the client did not produce a request within the time the server was prepared to wait. I see pretty much the straightforward read on that at the end where Elliot says he apologizes for giving Mr. Robot a timeout. Admittedly, much, much briefer than I thought it was going to be. I thought so too. But in the back of my mind, I kept thinking we need Mr. Robot during the meeting. I think that's pivotal to have him there. Even if next week isn't the meeting, we know that next week White Rose is coming into play. The way I'm thinking with request timeout is that these couple of hours is probably the first time in a long time that Elliot hasn't really thought about his quest or his hack that he needs to do. Yeah, can we think about all the things that he's been through in the past couple of days? He survived an OD, a forced OD, was pretty much brought back to life, had to walk around all night in the woods aimlessly. In the cold. In the cold. With just a hoodie. The seeming death of Tyrell. Got shot at. Had to pull off a huge hack on virtual realty and then run halfway across the city. We forgot to set a van on fire. Yes. Got hit by a car, jumped over the side of an embankment. Oh, yeah. Ran miles. (laughs) And now just had to confront the darkest parts of his past and his psyche. I think he probably needs more than a minute. We see at the beginning of the episode, as expected, he is literally in a daze, not in the present moment. I really thought, though, that it would be harder to come to terms with the Mr. Robot persona he has created in his mind now having full conception of the reality Mm -hmm. of the true father. We did speak last time about how the creation of Mr. Robot is an introject of the idealized version of the father that Elliot wanted, Elliot needed. He says as much at the end of the episode. I really like that speech because it follows along perfectly psychologically where he would be right now. And he does need somebody. He needs help to get through this, much as he needed help to get through it when he was younger. That's why Mr. Robot was created in the first place. I just thought for sure this was an opportunity for another alter to emerge. And now I'm thinking that after this episode, that means something different. If we didn't see it by now, mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to. I think the other one might mean something else. I actually was thinking that at the end of last episode, maybe there is no real other. But I'm leaving room in my head for that one scene when Elliot was having an overdose and he looks over at his kitchen table in his apartment and there is the kid, him as a kid. There is Mr. Robot or his father and there is his mother. And the kid says, what, what's going to happen now? And the mother says, we're going to disappear. Mm, all of us. All of us. Still leaving space in my brain to say that there's three and that's the three of them. 
because we did see the kid this episode. Yes, and that was much as we expected, not an alter, but rather an inner child and somebody who he hasn't allowed himself to... Remember or... Really come to terms with, right, because of everything that's happened. And we had speculated on that early in the season, as well as the possibility that the third could be his mother. We've obviously talked about the idea that it could just be somebody else entirely, not a part of Elliot's mind. But in our closer look, I have pulled out all of the robot statements from this season where he's talking to us, okay, whoever we are, so that we can look at that now with a bit of hindsight and see what we think as far as what's coming up for the rest of the season. So if you're interested in more theorizing on that, stay tuned for our closer look later on. Before we get any further into the episode, I want to give a big thank you to Feedspot.com, who emailed us this morning letting us know that we made the top 10 must-follow Mr. Robot podcast list. We're number two. It's amazing. We're on a list for once. Yeah, (laughs) it feels good. So thank you again, feedspot.com. You guys should check that website out. Um, I also, in uh, my email back to him, I let him know that we have other podcasts. Wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) Continuing along with our background from music, we heard it's the most wonderful time of the year during Dom's family Christmas gathering before it all went awry. Christmas music. I'm getting hyped now. (laughs) It's finally close enough to Christmas where we can get hyped for music. A little look behind the curtain. It's Wednesday night. We normally record Thursday nights, but we're leaving right when we're done recording. We're getting in the car. We're going to another state to spend time with the family. And when we're cooking tomorrow morning, I'm going to blast some Christmas music and drink a lot of wine. And it's the most wonderful time of the year will be one of those songs. We also got a further read on our time frame that we've been tracking all season long. In the beginning of the episode, when Krista and Elliot get into the cab, the backseat screen, Mm. which we'll talk about what's on there in a minute, but it reads Christmas Day, 12-25-2015 at 5.07 p.m. So we were wondering after we left off with Vera, it was very unclear how much time had passed. Oh, that's right. Yes. So we begin at 5.07 when Janice sees the call on Dom's phone from the Irishman. Can't wait to talk about that. It's 6.45 p.m. And at the end of the episode, when Elliot's speaking to Mr. Robot, it's about 8 o'clock p.m. because he tells him the meeting's in an hour. So they have an hour to go. Woo! Talk about last minute. Yeah. So based on that and a bunch of other things, we will give our speculation as to what might happen next episode in our spoiler section. But we'll give you a warning before that. Do you remember that time we're in a cab? to meet your parents to eat dinner in the city. And I was like, oh, yellow cabs are like Uber now. We can just pay back here. And then I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. And I made the cab driver just stand there. Until, and he was no help. Until finally you just took out cash and you're like, just here, here, here. We got to go. How do you not know how to operate? It wasn't working, your man. Your own cabs. No, not you. Oh. <laughs> the cabbie. For goodness sakes, everyone must know. use that. Well, let's go ahead and get into our synopsis. We open up on a flashback, 1995, in the Queen's Museum, where young Elliot and Angela play hide-and-seek. Elliot goes into the security guard back rooms. He goes all the way back. I mean, he's really moving through this area. I'm thinking to myself, he is very committed to this game of (laughs) hide-and-seek. Until he reaches a door marked permanent storage authorized personnel only. He goes inside, takes a moment to stare at, what else, a robot statue, before talking to someone who is not there. He says, who cares what I'm doing? It's none of your business. I got to do this. It's going to help us. Just trust me. And he proceeds to hide a pouch in the wall under a door, kind of between bricks. He then runs out before Angela realizes he was gone. Okay, so many things to talk about already. First of all, Queen's Museum. 
We've been to all the New York City museums. We've been to some Brooklyn museums. I don't think I've ever been to Queens. I haven't either. And I want to go now. <laughs> I definitely want to go. Second, this time and the second time Elliot goes in there in present time, where is everyone? Where are the security <laughs> it's guards? It's abandoned. <laughs> you have free range of this whole place. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it felt later because it was dark, but I'm assuming it was what you were saying, like seven o'clock by the time he goes in there. When he goes back as an adult, yeah, it's sometime around six. Okay, so they are open. Six or seven. But it looked closed, except for the fact that the door wasn't locked. Yeah, I mean, really, there is nobody there. We get this amazing shot, first in the flashback and then the present time, of Elliot standing on the second floor balcony and looking down over this huge... Map of Greater New York. Topographic map. Oh, so cool. I'm not sure exactly what the symbolism is there, but him trying to own all of this, Mm. trying to hack it, trying to change it, going back to a time where he was just trying to exert some change, some little control over what was happening in his own life, and now the scope has really broadened. And then Angela just kind of always hanging around the periphery. She's always present in his life. Mm. And this is at a time where Elliot hasn't still fully absorbed the loss of Angela, and you have to assume that's going to be important at some point before the end of the season. Now, this room, this permanent storage room, it could have been, you know, just a room, throw some shit in there. But it looked like Sam Asmel really took the time to set up this room the first time and the second time with beautiful lighting, lighting up that robot, the background, the backlit is different colors, the positioning of everything. It looked like a stage. Yeah, the shaft of light streaming in from above. Absolutely beautiful. So well done. And one of our (laughs) clatchers, Paul P., via Facebook, wrote to us and said, this may be a stretch, but what the heck? The robot in the storage of the museum. And then he provided a really great shot of that room and the robot. It reminds me of the robot on the Queen album. And then thank God he provided that because I wasn't aware of it. Queens Museum, Freddie Mercury, played by Rami Malek. I I thought that was cool. And it could be a little wink wink for Sam. It looks a lot like it. It could be a double wink because it's a play on the word, Mr. Robot. It's a play on the theories that people had, especially in the earlier seasons, that he's a robot. Yeah. Now, (laughs) if that's just a wink, Ashmael's winking pretty hard. I mean, this is an in-your-face. Anything could have been in that storage room. Anything. What is the likelihood of it being a robot that we're really super focused in on? Well, I mean, it's just that, the three things that it could could relate to. Do you think that's it? Listen, I'm not, I don't, I really don't think he's a robot. I don't think so either. I'm just finding it strange that I think Sam has fun with some little nods at times, but this is so overt. And then we're going to talk about the sign later on that it would almost feel a little frustrating if he was just trying to be cute. No, I... We know he reads forums, he reads blogs, he he listens to some podcasts. I think he's having fun. But that's what I mean. That's just being cute then, if it doesn't relate to your bigger storyline. Well, it relates in the fact that it's Mr. Robot. When he was a kid, there's this big robot there, fun robot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like you have malice towards this. I just, I know that Sam can get a little carried away with himself at times. I understand planting little interesting things in the background that maybe you have to do some digging to figure out what could the symbolism and the parallels be. This is not like that. This is a gigantic, literal robot standing in the middle of the room. Well, I, got, I have a theory for you. This is the first time we see Elliot as a kid talking to Mr. Robot. We don't see him there, but we see that he's talking to him. 
and then there's the figurative robot. The second time when Elliot comes in present time, things have been moved. It's been years. The robot's head is off, mm. but it's facing the camera and still lit, meaning that Mr. Robot, the altar, especially at that point, is no longer there. Mm-hmm. His reason for being there has been cut at the head. Yeah. So I think just symbolism. Okay. And I love it. Hater. I'm I'm grappling overall, and we'll talk about it as we go through the synopsis, with these Elliot scenes following up on the last time. And I know there really is not a good way to handle what is the aftermath of the bomb that just got dropped on him. But the whole search for the key thing feels like an afterthought. Feels like we needed to have some time with Elliot, not directly confronting this while the other stuff with Dom and Darlene is going on. He has kind of been the focus and we need to get the rest of the story caught up while also giving him a little bit of a break to recenter and come to terms with things. But I don't know that it really holds as much weight for me as anything else I've seen with Elliot this season. I see what you're saying. Like they were just trying to figure out something. The whole through line that Elliot felt like he ran away. He was running from his father and was upset about that. That's new to us. So that's why it didn't carry that much weight. That's new to the point when Elliot figures out what happened last episode. So then the key being presented and him realizing, oh, I was in control. I was fighting him. Doesn't carry that much weight to us. But it's all just here and now. It's like, here's this other thing that we just gave you and we're wrapping it up. And what I think Sam's doing here is we don't have a whole season for Elliot to be wounded, Mm -hmm. to have to fight back, claw back and find his way now that the bomb has been dropped. This might be a way for Sam to kind of skip those middle steps. And instead, here's the key. You realized you did fight back. You are stronger than you think you are. Right. Now let's press on. The key is in your hand. Your hand is in your pocket. Going back to the Angelo moments, it's been there all along, your way to find your way out. I agree with you. I think timing and pacing wise, maybe it would have been a little better for me. I've said that I felt there was a little bit of stalling going on with Vera, some buildup that I didn't know if it needed to be there. If Elliot maybe would have taken the first trip earlier on to the Queen's Museum, Mm discovered what he found there, but we didn't know yet. We didn't get that second scene of it's a key or what it means. So we're kind of following that question mark. Okay. Maybe the reveal comes a little bit earlier and then we can have a slightly longer timeout with Mr. Robot because that did feel a little quick to me as well. And the discovery here of what the key means, and then it might have greater impact. I guess it's the pacing of all of the steps that just didn't quite feel right to me. And knowing how this would play out in therapy, you know, it is impossible to just kind of make those steps. I do like that we don't see Elliot fully recovered by the end of the episode. We actually see him saying, I can't do it. Yeah. And that that felt the most real of moments to me. I feel you. If Elliot had found the key before Vera, but didn't know what it meant, and then when the resolve in last episode happens... And he's freaking out. Then the kid comes up and explains what the ki- what the key meant. I think that'd be a cooler pacing, a, a nice divide there. Mm-hmm. I feel you. Well, moving on to our next scene, though, I really like this, what feels like a wrap-up to the Elliot and Krista stuff. In the present, Krista is having a hard time wrapping her head around this. She's repeatedly saying, I killed him. I killed him. We got to call the police. But Elliot is kind of in a fugue, unresponsive staring at a young version of himself. He can't process Krista yelling at him that they have to go. The others are coming back. And we pan over to the two outside, Javi and Peanuts, deciding to go back in. Yes, they need to use the bathroom, but also they're eager to know what's happening in there. That was some cliffhanger shit they (laughs) left us on. I love that. 
Inside, they find Vera's dead body. Luckily, Krista was able to drag Elliot outside in time. She gets him into a taxi and asked to go to the nearest police station. Here is where we see, on that TV in the back seat, a commercial of Tyrell wishing everyone a happy holiday from E-Corp. That commercial meant so much more now, doesn't it? Mm. I forget that we didn't like Tyrell in the beginning of Mr. Robot. Yeah, I tried to reinforce that a little bit on the episodes where we were seeing him for the last time. What a full turnaround they had us go on emotionally. Even with Vera, somebody that was truly maybe the worst character on Mr. Robot in season one. A horrible guy. He killed Shayla. You were saying last episode, I know he's doing this for selfish purposes, but at the same time, I'm buying into it. (laughs) By the end of the interactions with Elliot, I'm thinking, this is good for him. They're having a real connection. So they do a good job of that on Mr. Robot. They do. I'm too easy. I'm Team Tyrell. (laughs) (laughs) While this is going on, at Dom's house, the kids argue over a game and Thomas is given a timeout. Another quick shout out to the title. He sees people running up towards the house, and then they come crashing in with masks on, grabbing the family at gunpoint. At this stage, we're obviously thinking, it's Dark Army, it's trouble. And we see Janice holding Dom and Darlene hostage, telling them about this story she heard on a podcast, how cities were essentially created by lightning. It's true. I heard it on a podcast. Villages used to be made of organic materials, mostly mud sticks and one night about 12,000 years ago a bolt of lightning hit a chunk of limestone which formed a powder that we now know is anyone (sighs) cement very smart Darlene You're absolutely right. Just think what a different world it would be if that lightning had struck a tree or a puppy instead. This remarkable city you see before you would be nothing but sticks and leaves and puppy shit. But the lightning hit stone and the people of Turkey awoke to find that they were in the cradle of modern civilization. You're thinking, what is wrong with this woman? Nobody cares. Her and her podcasts. But she ends it with, all because of one perfect moment of violent convergence. Destruction can be so productive. Just a great parallel to everything we've been talking about this season. There's that word again, convergence. I don't think it's an accident that it keeps popping up. She loves to talk. I think part of her method with torture is you will listen to me speak. Yeah. And you will listen to me speak a lot. (laughs) Absolutely. When the man informs Janice her phone is useless, Darlene wiped it clean, she thinks, well, she'll just have to restore it. But Dom says she doesn't know anything, and even if she did, she wouldn't give her brother up. Janice starts saying they all know how much Dom cared about Darlene, the special relationship they have. Dom's been watching the (laughs) interrogation video, to put it nicely, and she starts rolling out a bag of knives. We know this isn't going to go well. Darlene pushes back. She insists she won't talk. So Janice might as well make this fast, thinking it's going to be her that gets hurt. Instead, Janice turns around and stabs Dom in the chest, puncturing a lung. First of all, how come in movies and TV shows, whenever there's a torture sequence and there's that pouch that scrolls out to a lot of knives, 
Why do the torturers have to touch every knife in that line? Why are there so many? I mean, you could do it with one knife, right? It looks like what we keep our paintbrushes in. It does. When you want to transport yeah. them. Obviously, I'm I'm being facetious. It's to add drama. Mm-hmm. And if I was the one being tortured and I'm watching them choose one knife after the other, each being just as bad as the other, I'm sure it would I'm like, where's the really little teeny tiny you have one? a butter knife? <laughs> Where's the exacto? Oh no, silly putty knife. Remember those? It was just oh, the, the t- like the play-doh. Play-doh. That's yeah, yeah. The one that's to what cut play-doh. Yeah. Yes, that's the one I want. Also, Darlene is incredibly taken aback by this. Janice says that Dom has about fifteen minutes to live. To live her. But if Darlene gives up the information, she'll get medical help, so she could still be saved. The clock is now ticking. We switch back over to the police station, where Elliot tells Krista he can't go in. He asks what people like him do when they find out about something like this. He thinks he should have fought him, his father. Maybe he would have stopped. But Krista emphasizes he was just a child. It wasn't up to him. I want to go go back back to to forgetting, forgetting, he says. He never did forget. You may not realize it now, but you've been struggling with this for years. The itch in the back of your mind, the one you can't scratch, was always there. You just didn't know what it was. But now you do. Again, while this is not the place, the format, the way that this therapy should be unfolding, it is really perfect. It's beautiful what she's saying to him. It's exactly how she should address it. It's the response we were talking about last episode where once you uncover this truth, you want to take it back. It was easier when I didn't know about it, when I was able to forget. Let's just put it back in the box. How do you ever go on after this? He's looking for some hope, some reassurance. What what do people do? How do they move forward now? Even the concept of Mr. Robot, he says he made me feel special. We've seen quite a few times. This is the way that he's able to not feel alone. It gives him something else. But Krista says he is special and he will survive this. Elliot apologizes for getting her involved in this whole situation and says she doesn't have to take care of him anymore. There's the other thing. Now I'm a burden. I feel ashamed. I feel embarrassed. I'm not worth any of this. And interacting with people gets me hurt. So he would kind of start pushing her away or at least trying to. But she doesn't allow that to happen. She says she would like to see him again. He shouldn't have to go through this alone. And he allows her to hug him. And they hugged for a while. It was really big. She asks him to take care of himself, tells him that she's going to call him tomorrow. Now, Elliot says, I want to go back to forgetting. Christina, do people often go through that sentiment when they hit that breakthrough? Yeah, that's what I was saying before. Sometimes they even do just that. You know, they keep trying to push it back away, either compartmentalize it and actually forget or just not talk about it, move on to something else. This is a painful process, and we always say it gets worse before it gets better going through this in therapy. You might get to the point where you're feeling, why are we doing all this? Why am I rehashing this stuff? It's just making me feel terrible. But as we see in a really fast-forwarded type of way with Elliot, he can get to a place where this actually means healing, Mm -hmm. and he's able to accept these other parts of himself that he's locked away for so long, maybe even connect with other people. I don't think we're going to get all that way in just a couple of days, But it is a nice glimpse into those possibilities. I do think this is going to be an end, as I said, to the Elliot and Krista stuff. I hope so for Krista's sake. 
<laughs> it feels like a nice closure for them. So we discussed during the commercial break, Krista going in there alone, we just figure she's going to establish a story that doesn't involve Elliot, right? Which is probably easier for the both of them, to be honest with you. You know, that Vera kidnapped her. He was holding her at gunpoint. She couldn't get away, and she was able to pull out the knife in self-defense when he was attacking her. She's willing to take that on, in addition to the millions of other things she has been through in order to try to help Elliot. It's pretty amazing. So Peanuts and the other guy, sorry, I don't remember his name. They're done, right? I I think they're out of it. Yeah, we see them coming back to the apartment and saying, we got to get out of here. Like assuming the police are going to be on the way. There is no more Vera now who is in charge of this whole thing. They took Vera's wallet. Guaranteed they go out and eat now. They're not the Dark Army, meaning they're not going to go seek revenge at this point. No, I don't think so. There's nothing for them to fight for. I don't think so. It's at that point when Elliot's parting from Krista, that he sees his child self again and follows him down into the subway. He takes him to the museum, and Elliot's wondering why he brought him there. He says, I'm sorry I let him do all those things to you, and I didn't fight back. I'm sorry I didn't protect you. He's really thinking the whole purpose of this (laughs) is the kid is trying to tell him he failed him. I mean, he's trying to tell himself, you know. He's got this guilt that he didn't do something more, and he starts just yelling into this empty museum. But his inner child says that's not the reason that they're there. He takes him into the back room. As you mentioned, we see that the items are moved now. Things are shifted. There's a big sign on the ground that says tomorrow. It's clearly part of a sign because the inner child is taking down the rest of the letters from the hiding place. And it looks like they spell out world. So tomorrow world. Was probably an exhibit and that's why there was a robot. Um, And for obvious reasons, they couldn't call it Tomorrowland. Because that's Disney. That reminds me of Westworld and going back to the original, how there was also a future world. Yeah. But additionally, the time travel stuff, the potential we've been talking about with White Rose and being able to shift into other realities, just more and more kind of breadcrumbs being dropped around. But the real thing here is that Elliot digs in between the bricks and is able to find the pouch that contains a key. His inner child says... It was dad's key to our bedroom. We took it from him so we could lock him out. Maybe he wouldn't be able to hurt us anymore. So the monster couldn't get to us. Don't you see? You're wrong. This wasn't running away from him. Dot, dot, dot. And Elliot responds, I was fighting back. Now there's quite a few things about this key. Of course, first and foremost, everyone is picking up on the fact that it looks like an E. The way he's holding it, the key is like a giant E. E for Elliot's room. E for E Corp. Oh, yeah, but it's it was Elliot's room key. Are you blatantly just trying to deny all of the symbolism that's happening in this scene? I don't understand. Well, maybe E Corp, Elliot Corp. This is all in Elliot's head. He's still a child in the hospital. <laughs> Why don't we go back to that? Well, let me just bring up another parallel for you since you're so resistant. We've heard this concept of a monster all the way back in season one. Season one, episode four, Damon's, where Elliot was detoxing off of morphine. Mm -hmm. And he was going through a bunch of hallucinations that led up to a massive dream sequence. One that Sam Esmail himself said, this is the most important thing in the entire series. First, we have Elliot saying, am I still alone? Is this the face of my only friend? He's looking at the F Society mask that he winds up putting on. Are you my monster? He asks himself. Oh, wow. He's looking at this thing that looks like a robot saying, are you my monster? All the way back in season one. And now sure enough, 
this creation of Mr. Robot, who actually is your father, was the monster all along. Yeah. After that, in the next real beginning to the dream sequence, Elliot arrives at his childhood home. Outside, on a telephone pole, he sees a sign that says, 404 not found. So a 400 Uh. HTTP error, again, all the way back then. And then we go to the restaurant where a bunch of weird things happened. I don't know if you recall, but his mother made him take a bite of something that he realized was QWERTY, his fish. Mm. And she's kind of like force feeding it to him and Angela eats it saying it tastes great. He then finds a key in the raspberry pie, a key that looks just like this. Angela thinks he's proposing. Remember, she's sitting across from him and she starts saying yes. And he's looking at her like, what? It's it's (laughs) not a ring. She then tells Elliot he was born a month ago. You were just born a month ago. You're afraid, afraid of your monster. Do you even know what it is? Wow. So I don't think anything that's going on here is unintentional or just... Oh, absolutely. You know, it's all linking in somehow. If he put all of this back in season one, episode four, and it's now coming back around... Again, when Angela has her own scene about the key being in her pocket, she had it all along, much like Elliot had the key all along to unlock these secrets. But that key was definitely E for Elliot's room, just so you know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's go to the big action with Dom and Darlene. We're reaching a breaking point. Janice denies that she would let Dom die, saying all of their agents have trouble in the beginning. She's just teaching her. If she does the right thing, she'll get her help. It'll be fine. She starts telling the story about how she met her mother, Trudy, how sweet it was that her mother cared so much she was actually willing to try to set her up with Janice, overlooking all the warning signs. In fact, there were warning signs way back when even her parents were concerned about Janice and her taxidermy obsession in her youth. They had her tested many times, but all the doctors determined she was normal. Yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) When Darlene still won't talk, Janice says she's making the call to the Dark Army agents to have them start killing her family. Finally, Darlene says to give her the phone, she'll do what she wants. She was willing to call her bluff on Dom. She knew Dom didn't want her to do anything here, even if that meant her dying. But at the risk of other people being hurt, these innocent people, her family, Darlene just can't let that happen. But are you really buying this whole Dom-Darlene connection? Yes, they slept with each other, but there was bigger reasons for that. And then we saw that Dom was masturbating to Darlene, but then that just but that just seemed like an obsession type thing. I'm not buying this whole, you know, they have a connection of something special. I've always kind of felt that between the two of them. Yes, Darlene was trying to work her in a sense, but it reminds me of Elliot and Olivia where he was scamming Olivia so that he could get I see. the code, but he ended up having a connection with her and kind of liking her that went horribly by the end, <laughs> but Perhaps if Elliot hadn't been such a monster, there would have been something between the two of them. It feels much the same way here, except that it went over a longer period of time. I think Dom started out with a crush and then an obsession on Darlene. She actually has feelings for her now. But I never read that Darlene did. It was always unknown to me until, was it last episode? Again, I thought that was just her trying to get out of Where Dom's holding her in the bathtub and she's saying, no, that was a real moment for me. Okay. It's the first time I remember being happy in a long time. And again, that reminded me of what Elliot was saying in the bathroom with Olivia. I don't know if Janice even fully buys it. I think she's just trying to needle at the two of them and pick where she can so that she can get to them. We also see here the Dark Army agent go to Vera's place. He sees the police taking the body out, and he reports that Elliot's gone from the location. 
So Janice is unhappy. Darlene's trying to say she tracked him. She did everything that she said she was going to. Janice watched her. But she's convinced that Darlene knows more. She's not giving up all the details. So she threatens Dom's family again, this time picking up the phone to give the order. And the camera starts panning around in a circle. Janice making the phone call. Dom wheezing and gasping to death, acting just amazing in this moment. I mean, I really felt her pain. We circle and circle around, but no one's answering. We see a shot of a bloody phone on the other end. And Dom finally says she knows the reason. She tells Janice to check her phone, saying he's probably been trying to call her. We see on the readout, the lucky Irish bastard. (laughs) Janice calls and Deacon McGuire answers, saying the plan worked. He has her family and they're on their way to the safe house. He thinks it's Dom. Realizing a couple of moments in that it's actually a dark army operative, he says to tell Dom they're square now. And he's sorry about her boys. They're dead, but don't worry, they died with dignity. Well, I think a couple might have shat their pants. <laughs> Everything he's saying here is just so hysterical. And I it's love him. Because we hate Janice at this point, so everything he's saying is like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's just a fun character. I mean, we knew from when we first saw Dom take Deegan in that was going to go somewhere because he was good at disappearing people. Then she got that weird text message that he had been released a couple episodes yes. ago. Well, now we know. That's because she did him a favor. She allowed him to skate on these charges in a quid pro quo type of arrangement. I'll get you out, but then you got to do me one. Remember that scene with Dom when she saw the van outside and Mm -hmm. she wrote down the license plate? Well, that was definitely for him. That's why. Yep. Yeah, all these details, they do eventually come back around. Well, as Janice tries to process all of this, Dom pulls the knife out of her chest, stabs her, grabs the gun, and shoots both her and the agent. Well, it stabs, basically cuts the Achilles heel of that dude. Yeah. I thought it was Janice that she cut. Janice was on the other side of the room. No, Janice came up to her, and that's when she took the knife out of her own chest and took her down. No, that was the bodyguard. Janice was on the other side of the room. You sure? The bodyguard walks over Dom and is now in between Dom and Darlene. Dom pulls the knife out. Cuts at the guy's Achilles heel. He falls down, then stabs him, grabs his gun. That's how she got the gun. Shoots the other guy, and then shoots Janet. Shot all of them, right? Right in the head, which was beautiful. Yeah. Take that, bitch. I mean, it happened really fast. She literally did all of this in like five seconds, presumably while she's very close to dying. Now, I don't even know how she was able to talk when she was defending Darlene, saying she doesn't know anything. I don't know either. She asked Darlene for her phone and calls for help, then telling her to leave. Go find Elliot and take them down. So I'm assuming, you know, she may live, but she's definitely done with the storyline because the rest of the season takes place in at least 24 hours, right? Yeah. At, at I th- most, I mean, 24 hours. I don't think it's likely that we see a lot of Dom, even if she survives. I'm thinking it would be weird after that big ending to have her die. I just can't quite picture how we would exit her off the show. I think it'd be poetic if she died. She died saving Darlene and her family. Yeah, we could have that. By the way, throughout this whole scene, the shots that Sam does, I mean, we got angles of Dom on the ground looking up at Darlene sideways. It was very uncomfortable, which made us feel what she was feeling. Again, the lighting. The lighting in all of these scenes, I think are not spoken about enough. Mm -hmm. It's beautifully done. Good night, Janice. 
Well, on to our last scene. Elliot is back at Allsafe, working on the plan, when Mr. Robot returns, hat in hand. Elliot apologizes for the timeout and rushes right to details, saying they're almost good to go, ready to intercept the 2FA codes. He's working on a script to transfer all the money, and the meeting's in an hour. But Robot knows that's not why he let him back in. He wants to talk. So now he makes his big speech, saying, The only reason I'm here is to make sure no one ever hurts you. That was supposed to be your father's job, but he failed. He was too weak. But you, you were strong. You fought back the only way you could. You brought me here to protect you from him. I tried to keep you safe. safe. Only show you the memories when the two of you were friends before. I thought I could store in the truths. You'd never have to see it or feel it. Fact is, I didn't want to see it either. I made a terrible mistake. I was afraid. Afraid of what this would do to you, to us. This was never my secret to keep. You deserve better than to live in darkness for so long. I'm so sorry. I failed, failed you, you too. too. I understand if you can't forgive me or decide to shut me out for good. Just as long as you know, I am not your father. I never was. So we had mentioned that very often after this trauma occurs, one of the altars is created in order to hold those memories, hold the hurtful things. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the entire purpose so that you don't have to. I thought that might be another one because this altar is serving a lot of altar functions. That's generally not what we see. We will see a couple of them. He holds the trauma. He has the image of the abuser, even though he isn't. He is something else. He's the idealized introject of the father Elliot always wanted. And he's the protector who can come out when Elliot needs something. He's literally all of those things that Elliot wasn't able to be at the time. And the internet is ablaze, once again, in regards to Mr. Robot and his hat on and hat off. When he's the hat on, he's the protector. When he's the hat off, he's the softer, more weighing the options type. Mm-hmm. persona. And it was brought back up before this season started because Christian Slater was on a talk show and he had brought up the hat. Now, once again, I think this is him and Sam reading the internets and, you know, playing with us. Yeah. I don't think it's actually different alters that you're seeing when Christian Slater is on the screen because they're not portrayed any differently. And the mind really would create these separate things. I do think it's odd that he serves so many multiple functions, and I'm not disagreeing that there are times where he is more nurturing, and perhaps that's when the hat's off. There's times where he has to be stronger, but it's all Mr. Robot. He is acting pretty consistently himself, personality-wise, even though his behaviors can be more extreme or more angry. It never feels like somebody totally different, at least to me. Yes, and I think it would be a bad, I don't know, if that was what Sam had intended, I don't think it would hit as hard. Mm-mm. But I love the fact that he literally had hat in hand during yeah. that scene. Yeah, that was he great. was apologetic. He also does admit that he's been keeping these things from him. This is why Elliot wasn't able to remember all of the things that Mr. Robot was holding because he put them there. He put them inside of this compartment. But he's making sure that he knows this is not the reality of your father. And Elliot says he does. He knows he's nothing like him. That's why I created you. You're the father I needed, not the father I had. Mr. Robot is wishing he could go back in time and change things. 
to make it all go away. But Elliot says, then I wouldn't be me and I wouldn't have you. And that's the key point of taking all this in, be able to face the reality and to be stronger, as we said last time. He seems to be getting a, a little bit of a grip on it. But also, I felt more I, I felt more confident that Mr. Robot would be back after that last scene with Krista because he kept saying, I don't want to be alone. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he also kept saying, I want to go back to forgetting. And that's the purpose Robot has served in the past. So I hope that they don't bring themselves to that point again. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it in this moment. But even after Elliot's finished saying that, he says he doesn't know... He doesn't know if he can go through the hack anymore or do anything. You know, he starts crying and says, I can't do it. And that's when the camera started to move backwards. And you and I both were hoping, is this when the third personification comes out and says, you can do it and like kind of helps him and helps build him? Mm -hmm. Or is this when Mr. Robot now has to basically take it all back again? Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm, I'm really worried that it could mean relinquishing the control. I can't do it, so I have to give the reins back over to you. That's where we were in season one yeah. with Elliot starting to take a back seat and then completely being shut out of things, losing those memories, losing that time. We don't want to see him regress in that manner. Now, I think a third coming out would probably also be a bit of a regression unless there's been one in there the whole time and Elliot right. needs to acknowledge it, then it's improvement. But again, I think not seeing that after the last two episodes between the stuff with Vera and now the coming to terms here, I, I just don't see how that happens. They kept saying before the season started that there's going to be a lot more Christian Slater. And there has been an ample amount, but not something like glaringly more. What if it is actually that instead of taking back all the memories, he just takes over from this time on? And the following episodes are just Christian Slater. I'm going to be pretty unhappy. That goes back to like when we lost the three days for Elliot seasons ago. But we're going to come on to this in a minute with Closer Look. To finish up here, it leaves us with some big questions we've brought up. Will Dom survive? And if so, what's next for her? I don't think it matters, story-wise. Is there another purpose for the key that's shaped like an E? Will Elliot go through with the hack next episode? And if so... Who does it? Is it him, Mr. Robot, Darlene, some combination of all of them? A lot still to uncover. Jason, let's give this episode our robot rating. On a scale of 1 to 10, what do you give 408 request timeout? I'm keeping it high. I'm going to 8.6 robots. Well, it is not my favorite of the season, but I still really enjoyed a lot of elements of it. So looking at my quote-unquote lowest, which was still super high, episode 406, I gave it an 8. I'm going to give this an eight as well. Over on Twitter, at CKC Podcast, we ask our Clatchers, who is your MVH? This week, we gave you Dom, Darlene, Elliot, and Mr. Robot. In last place is Darlene with 6%. Yeah, well, it was kind of a tough episode for her. She didn't really get very, moment, very many moments to be heroic. She tried to hold her ground, but that could have cost Dom her life. She was there for her brother, but She's this been, wasn't her episode. Yeah, yeah, consistently looking out for Elliot this whole time. And she continued to do so, but it was way more on the Dom end than the Darlene with that duo. In a close race for third with 7% was Mr. Robot. I mean, I did appreciate that we had that heartfelt conversation and Mr. Robot explaining things. You know, as we had mentioned, we, we kind of had all of that figured out already as far as 
who Robot was to Elliot, why his psyche had created this. So we did already understand that process, but it was nice to see them share a hug for him to be there to comfort him. And in second place with 15% is our man Elliot. Well, in this episode, you know, uh, he's trying to figure himself out. It's, it's a struggle for him, and it's supposed to be a struggle. But he's still going through with the hack. It seems like he's taking steps in the right direction. Yeah, but the clear winner in first place with 72% is Dom. The Dominator. Huge win. We had mentioned back at episode 404, the last with Tyrell, he won by the largest margin. That was 58%. So 72 (laughs) is just incredible. It was a real Dom episode. And for reasons very obvious. Mm -hmm. She killed Janice. We hate her. Took out two dark armies and then had one of her boys that she planned to do this a while back take out good amount. There was, what, at least 10 of them there? Something crazy. So good on you, Dom. I hope you survive. Let's see what the Clatchers had to say about this. Kirk says, Sam Asmail comes back to Earth. After two to three out-of-this-world episodes in a row, this was a decent one. But by his recent standards, a bit of a letdown. That's a little harsh. (laughs) Well, I was kind of saying the same thing. It's just, it feels like we're rebounding. We're taking a breath, Mm -hmm. uh, which is fine. But there was a lot of buildup. I think it's more like I would prefer less of the buildup. And then this time out wouldn't bother me. But now there's a lot of downtime, so to speak. As far as MBH, Kirk said it had to be Dom for her ninja-like killing spree and hiring McGuire to kidnap her parents. Darlene sat in a chair. Elliot was paralyzed from shock. And Janice's most memorable move was laying on the floor with a hole through her forehead. Oh, my goodness. Or the story about lightning, to be kind. (laughs) Oren says Dom saved the day but sacrificed herself? Question? I hate to say it, but I don't see Elliot coming out of this season alive. He has to pay for his actions. Well, you just said that last episode, right, Jason? Yeah, that was the second time I said it. And that time I really felt it. I'm on board with you, Orin. I think that's where it's going. Well, that was based on the S-mail comment last time around. Lewis says, add Grace Gummer. Absolutely killed it. Moms would be proud. (laughs) Eduardo says, Don was good. Because she killed the girl who wanted to kill Darlene. But Darlene had a good personality to help Dom. So they both needed each other in order to get through that interaction. For sure, Darlene was the one doing the talking, trying to gain control. Uh, Obviously, Dom couldn't do the talking. But in the end, it was Dom, Mm -hmm. Michelle. (laughs) Yeah, Maurizio agrees, says Dominique keeping it 100 to protect her family. She's such a badass. I hope she lives. Keeping it 100 will never have the same meaning. I know, right? I love I'm it. always going to think about this. Uh, Kate says, my vote was actually for Janice for putting Dom on blast. Dom lean for life. And Derek says, I really hope Dom survives. But if she doesn't, that's one heck of a note to go out on. Dom had to be the one to kill Janice. Thanks, Esmail, for giving the fans what they wanted to see. Now, on to the Deus meeting. Finally. Finally. <laughs> Well, all that being said, Jason, is it even a question? Who is your MVH? The Queen's Museum. (laughs) No, I'm going Dom, for sure. I think that was the excitement of the episode. Elliot had to take a timeout, and it was now Dom's turn to have the events of the episode. Yeah, and we were saying throughout the whole earlier part of the season that it felt like they were really dragging with Dom. Yeah. 
She wasn't getting a lot to do. It wasn't that exciting. No fault of Grace Gummer. She's an excellent actress. But she finally had her episode here. And on to our rating and reviews. We want to thank nnn 3959000 a for your rating and review on iTunes. Your five-star rating and review. Thank you so much for the stars and everything you said. And also, I want uh, Clatchers to know that there are other podcasts out there, or podcast feeds out there that we're not aware of that do have our podcast. And if you rate and review there, go for it if you can. And we thank you all. We probably won't see it, but it's good for us. I just happened upon Podbeam. Podbean, I think it's called. And JJ the Cat just gave us a review. So thank you for that. And there was two other people that gave it to us two years ago on there. Oh, And nice. I had no idea. So thank you guys. Every little bit helps. It's beneficial for people who are trying to find us. And also it shows them what a great community we're building. All of the involvement on Twitter here, it really helps to enhance the podcast and bring other perspectives to this. Well, on to our closer look. And I don't know what we're going to find here. If anything, Jason, we just pulled out all of the robot statements, those important times where he's been talking to us throughout this season. The first one we really harped on at the time, and it's becoming... What feels like increasingly important where Mr. Robot turns to us and says, I know we don't usually do this, but I have to fill you in if he won't. That's why you're back, isn't it? To help. You must be noticing it too, that he's not talking to you. Doesn't talk to me much either, not since Angela died. He's shutting down, compartmentalizing the pain, living in the distraction. I know he's keeping you away. So I'll fill you in, but don't think I'm doing it for you. I still don't give a shit about you. But he does. And right now, he needs you more than he lets on. When that brutal reality closes in on us, he's going to need a friend. And that's still what you are, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that does have a lot more meaning now. Wow. I mean, the brutal reality has just closed in on Elliot. He does need a friend more than ever. We see him turning to Mr. Robot here in this scene, but Mr. Robot was turning to us saying, isn't that why you exist? Like, I don't really care about you. I don't like you. But he does, and Mm -hmm. I know that he needs you. Doesn't want to be alone. So we assumed at the time that's us, the audience, the friend that he's been talking to. But who in the heck are we? When are we going to find that out? Or could it possibly be the third that he was talking to? We had speculated back then it was kind of the first inklings. Could it be his mother? Because Mr. Robot, the father, might not have had such great feelings towards Magda. Yes. The following scene, a little while later, was after... Elliot had been given the overdose and Sam Esmail was telling him goodbye, friend. He falls to the floor, reaches for the phone and then hallucinates. His mother telling his father it was his job to protect him. He got too reckless and if it keeps going, they'll all go away. That's what you brought up before. Yes. Indicating there's more of that going on. If they were just memories, just things that Elliot had held onto about his family, why would this mean them going away, going out of existence? It's kind of not really the thing you say there unless it's something psychological. Yeah, I think that scene has a lot more meaning than we know right now. Well, also, coming back to the pivotal moment when Darlene brings up to Elliot in the church about running into Vera and letting Elliot know Elliot's like, oh, I, didn't, I didn't know any of that. And he turns angrily to Robot saying, I can't trust you. Robot insists it wasn't him. So he says, if it wasn't you, dot, 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 who was it? How, do you, how would you explain that? If there is no third, you can't explain. there is no way to explain neither Elliot nor Mr. Robot knowing about that statement, right? I think it was the mom. 
We've talked enough about the other one scene. But then finally, more recently, Robot said, after the Olivia interaction, here we go again, off to play the hero. But is that who we are anymore? We just watched him destroy someone's life and none of us did a thing about it. Did we change under the pressure or did this only reveal who we really are? So he keeps speaking in terms of a collective, of a group of people, all these different parts that make up who Elliot is, um, him just being one small piece of that. So I think we are going to find out one way or the other by the end of the season that Mr. Robot has been giving us the answers all along, the way we look back at this and it makes more sense even though we don't know where it's all going yet. I think it's, it's really going to add up in the end. I love that. That's what makes these kinds of shows so much fun. So if you have any thoughts, any theorizing on if there's a third, will we see them or what could those statements mean or anything else related to the rest of the season of Mr. Robot, please feel free to write in and let us know. And that's just going to leave us with the spoiler section. So if you are afraid of that, we will see you next time when we review episode 409. For those of you still here, we know 409 is called Conflict. Definitely not what we want to hear related to everything that's going on. This whole series could have been called Conflict. We had mentioned when we were reviewing the episode titles and all the HTTP codes that this one indicates there could be a conflict in the current state of the resource, resource, such as an edit conflict between multiple simultaneous updates. (laughs) So multiple parts of Elliot trying to process this, processing it differently, Does it just relate to the hack, something that they're trying to upload for that? Who knows? But that's going to be interesting. We see in the preview, Price asks to know what's going on. You know, White Rose says she just wants to have a drink first. The members of the Deus group are gathering for the meeting. Mr. Robot is checking in on the progress of the hack, and he says something's not right. Darlene wonders if they're on to them. And finally, White Rose calls Elliot and says, I was hoping we could talk. It's about your friend, Angela. Oh, boy. Now, that could mean many Many things. Many things, yeah. Doesn't have to mean Angela is, like, alive and well in some parallel universe, but it's certainly intriguing, and we're going to get that Elliot-White Rose interaction we've been waiting for. And further, the thought that White Rose and the Dark Army are on to them is very believable. You don't think they would know about what just happened in virtual realty? Yeah. If that is one of their gateways to their money? Of course they're going to know that something big just happened there. And they've been leaving footprints all over the place. They led a police chase across the city. (laughs) Like it just, you know, it's not stealthy at all. And unless, as we had wondered, was there something bigger here? Was moving the money a distraction? And it was more about messing up White Rose's timeline. So while she's following that, Elliot's really playing out the full thing. But right now, Elliot doesn't even seem capable of doing that. Yeah. This also shows us we're going to get to see this meeting. Jason, it's finally happening. Uh, not so fast. I'm, I think I'm 90% sure that the meeting will happen, but um, it could also be that one hour. Everything but, before. Well, meeting. yeah. We saw people pulling up, though, yes. and getting out and Darlene saying the members are arriving. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, we may not even ever get the meeting. Who knows what, what happens? So. Yeah, we it, might not it, it see the time. ins and outs. But. It's time. But the hack is being worked on. I mean, yeah. stuff's happening. Absolutely. <laughs> So I can't wait to review 409. And that wraps us up here. I want to give a very happy Thanksgiving to everyone who celebrates Thanksgiving. Just remember to save us some food. (laughs) Send it our way. We'll be back in our state just in time to watch episode 409. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, 
at CKC Podcast, Facebook, Coffee Clatch Crew, Instagram, Coffee Clatch Crew. And if you like what we're doing, join us over at Patreon. Help Christina and myself continue to live this dream. Give yourself a month. Check it out. And remember, I just went to Dunkin' Donuts before work today. I bought a large coffee and a breakfast sandwich, and it was more money than it is to be a Patreon. So it's nothing to your pocket, but it's everything to us. Till next time, this round's on me. This round is on me. (laughs) 